what do you have to say to the people that say, oh, he has to be gay because he's doing drag. There's no way he can uh, not be gay and he does drag as a man. What do you have to say to those people? Well, yeah, that's just like being close-minded, honestly. It's like you, and you think, oh, the way you dress has to do with your sexuality and it doesn't. Those are two completely separate things, you know? Uh, drag, I see it as a performance art and um, sexuality is, is a, a point completely removed from that, you know? There's people that dress as a fetish, like if you're a cross-dresser and you like to dress up like the opposing gender and that uh, sexually stimulates you, that's, you know, like your sexual thing, but that's different than drag, you know? And from what I know, there's there's plenty of straight men doing drag out there. It's game time. Spilling tea and talking sports. You're listening to the Game Day Tea Podcast with your host, my name, D. This is D Gill here, host of the Game Day T podcast. Welcome to another episode. Uh, this one's a doozy in a good way because I have someone that is really going to blow your mind away with what we're about to talk about. And actually, it shouldn't because, uh, as you all know, we talk about everything and anything on this podcast. And this episode is no different. And today I have MMA fighter, painter, bare knuckle boxing athlete and also drag artist yes you heard that right drag artist diego garijo welcome to the game day t diego uh thank you for having me on no problem so diego i really wanted to bring you on to dispel stereotypes we're gonna get right into it drag and fighting mma professional you don't hear that often if at all you dispel that what in what in the world got you to be so confident to say i know i'm a badass fighter but i'm also going to put on these badass heels <laughs> um for me i think it's actually whatever quality i have that makes me such a a tough fighter because mm -hmm. i'm not considered like a super technical fighter and there's a lot of times where like i'm really getting my ass beat really bad before i win the fight like that's really common in my career mm -hmm. it's a little bit what i'm known for and i'm known for also like beating people that are better than me okay because they like mentally break like there's fights where they're literally like just getting tired of beating my ass <laughs> and then they like just quit mentally they're like fuck i can't kill this guy you know uh -huh. so whatever quality that is it's like i don't know i i hate like people always get down on me when i say this but like maybe i'm like just too dumb to get scared or something like mm -hmm. so whatever quality that is that i guess that's what gives me the confidence to also like do drag or be more feminine around people wow so you started fighting in 2000 and i think i started fighting like maybe 2006 six, i believe six, yeah 2006 but bare knuckle fighting was that recently like 2018 yes yeah your pictures on instagram first of all I want everybody to pause this, go to drop your Instagram right now, because I need these people to see it in real time, what I'm about to say. Yeah, I'm shadow banned. So like, you got to put in the whole <laughs> name. It's like Diego, like San Diego. So it's Diego, one word, Diego, G-A-R-I-J-O, which is Diego Garijo. That's my, my, my full name. And if you don't put in the whole thing, it will not come up. It's a little blue logo with my signature in it, if you look real close. It's a, a D and a G that turns into a face. 
Um, and uh, yeah, you can have a look at just about every aspect of my career in, in, that, in that one place. Good. So now that you're listening, hopefully you found this Instagram page by now. I'm going to give you a second one. Okay, find it. <laughs> now look at the picture that is posted with Diego's head all bloody and is, is, is I mean, your face, Diego, just looks a hot ass mess. However, you look at another picture and your face is really done up beautifully in makeup. Like you have like the extremes of your personality is so astonishing to me. Like that screams your personality coming through. What what gets you in the mindset of being able to take a beating like that in the ring, but then put on makeup and look beautiful? Like what what's your confidence like? Um I I guess honestly it's I've always had this attitude of just not giving a fuck what anybody thinks mm -hmm. because I'm not scared to go out there and lose a fight either and that's what most people are terrified of they'll tell you like if you talk to a fighter mm -hmm. they just feel such shame if they lose a fight and I disappointed all my family and all my fans mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck I go out there <laughs> for me like somebody yeah. asked me like recently like do you fight for money do you fight for your family mm -hmm. no I don't fight for any of those fucking reasons yeah. I fight because it's like it scares me a little and it's like as a guy that doesn't get scared by much like it gives me that little bit of excitement where I really enjoy it mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> I just saw my wife wearing her Easter outfit I'm like thumbs up you got it oh, you know like, okay <laughs> and uh so usually um I don't give a fuck about what people think in, if I'm in losing a fight mm -hmm. I only care that I don't quit during the fight mm, that's important that's my only goal it's like, no matter what, like, I don't want anybody to ever mentally break me. There's always going to be better people out there. There's going to be stronger people faster. But as long as nobody makes me mentally break and I get through a fight, whether I win or lose, like I came out ahead for in my books. And the same thing goes with drag. It's like, I don't give a shit what anybody thinks, you know, like no. uh, my mom says I look ridiculous and hideous and drag and mm -hmm. she's ashamed of it and shit. And I don't give a fuck, you know, because I'm still doing my thing and enjoying yeah. it. And having a good time that right there is it's easier said than done diego i had to learn that the hard way too i can go in the middle of walmart and do a cartwheel and sing the star spangled banner and not give a fuck either you know but i just i just had to learn that confidence in myself like mm -hmm. who cares this so the moment you walk out of that walmart does, does it matter Did anybody see you i mean like who cares what they say you know and so right. uh, that that type of confidence i mean that's that's godsend to me because a lot of people just lack that. A lot of people give a fuck what so many people have to say about them. And I'm just so glad I really don't really care for that. <laughs> yeah, good good for you. It's like, it, it's so liberating. You're right. It is much easier said than done. But for anybody out there listening, if you can master this skill, your life will immediately improve. It'll You'll be so much happier yep. if you can just not give a fuck what people think. Mm -hmm. That can be like the uh, subtitle to this episode, really. But so you did mention wife. So those of you are listening, yes, Diego has a wife. Yes, Diego has children. What? How can he do that and drag? What do you have to say to the people that say, oh, he has to be gay because he's doing drag. There's no way he can uh, not be gay and he does drag as a man. What do you have to say to those people? Well, yeah, that's just like being close minded. Honestly, it's like you and, and you think 
oh, the way you dress has to do with your sexuality and it doesn't. Those are two completely separate things, you know? Uh, drag, I see it as a performance art and um, sexuality is, is a, a point completely removed from that, you know? There's people that dress as a fetish, like if you're a cross-dresser and you like to dress up like the opposing gender and that uh, sexually stimulates you, that's, you know, like your sexual thing, but that's different than drag, you know? And from what I know, there's there's plenty of straight men doing drag out there. Um, I just had a German uh, television crew at my house filming for German television. Mm -hmm. And the lady kept asking me the same fucking question over and over again. And I can tell that she was wanting a different answer. And yeah. I kept telling her the same shit. Was your wife worried when you started doing drag? I'm worried of what? Yeah. That it was going to fucking turn me gay? Like, is that what you you yeah. know keep fucking hinting at and shit oh i'm just saying you know and i'm like no nah, like producers can sometimes be one of the worst people out there diego as you know in this entertainment industry business it's like everybody wants to be a producer but once you get that producer role you you essentially turn into the bad guy all this reality mm -hmm. tv show that you see like i love 90 day fiance by the way some of those situations that they get put in I see right through that shit. The mm -hmm. producers put them in that situation. Hey, go here. We found some pictures with him and another girl in Africa or somewhere or Europe. What do you want to go say about this action? You know, it's like you have to be the bad guy. And so many people don't realize that it's like, God, it just it's infuriates me because they don't come after the producers. They come after the people, you know? Mm -hmm so set up you know mm -hmm. it's like nothing in reality tv shows completely unscripted they mm -hmm. they have to have a storyline guaranteed so they're gonna set up things you know and if things don't go natural they're gonna finesse them a little bit you know oh yeah whether whether they're real low like their if their morals are super low and they reenact it completely or whether they put enough things just to trigger you editing they're getting the results they want exactly yeah editing is a powerful tool in the inter entertainment industry to as well we have to take a quick break but don't you sashay away now because we'll be right back with the game day tea welcome back to the game day tea podcast i am your host d gill and i'm talking to diego garijo mma fighter and drag artist so since we're talking about life stories i want to go all the way back to you had mentioned in the article that you did a little baby drag or like a little dress up and it was like you had gay cousins and stuff like that. I want to touch basis on that when you were younger, how you just were even experienced some of that and then how it transformed your drag career today. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I, in my entire life, I've seen my dad maybe 10 to 15 times my entire life. Um, he's a very nice gentleman. I appreciate him very much. Uh, I learned a lot from him the time that I did spend with him, but he wasn't around for um, most of my childhood. Uh, I was raised by a single mother. Um, she had a lot of gay friends and, and we had gay family members. And I'm not saying that, that gay equals feminine, you know, like that's the whole thing about store stereotypes. You know, you can be a very masculine gay male if you want, if that's, mm -hmm. you know, what you, how you want to be or that's how you naturally are. Yeah. Um, but we did have a very feminine vibe at our house, you know, and then when I was a kid from, from such a young age, you know, I was not taught that masculine macho bullshit where it's like, I see my kid wearing heels and I'm not ever going to say, oh, fucking take him out of that shit before he turns into a fag, you know, which is like, that's what you hear in Mexico. Yeah. You know, like I say, say growing up in the African-American community too. Yeah, I mean, but if you hear it in Mexico, it's like, I 
quítale eso antes de que sea maricón, you know, like that's, that's like something that you, or like if your kid's playing with dolls or something like that, that's like a stereotype that you're going to hear all over like, you know, mm. Latino culture houses, you know, when kids mm. are growing up. So I wasn't raised like that. So of course, I'm not going to raise my children like that. And I've left my heels around and my son's put them on. And he's like, hey, look, hey, dad, look at me, look at me. And then we just fucking crack up, you know? Yeah. And it's hilarious and shit. And we even have a name for him. My son's name is Max and we call him Maxine. <laughs> you, you know, so I'm like, oh, yeah. get it, Maxine, get it. You know, like yeah. he'll be like laughing and it's fucking hilarious. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's so much fun to have that freedom to swap roles and shit. And also, I'll be honest with you, ever since the Vice article came out and I've been doing this, mm -hmm. I have felt even more uh, keen to embrace my feminine side and like for example i've had a fanny pack for years that i carry like a purse fuck it i just went out and i got a purse now mm -hmm. like i just you know because i that's it serves its purpose i don't give a shit if it's masculine or feminine mm -hmm. it's just always kind of like what's fit my style better to have a purse mm -hmm. and i'm super happy now you know yeah and that's all that matters and going back to the 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 growing up thing you know how many kids are out there that are suppressed by their parents because of how their parents want them and i get it you know don't get me wrong i don't have kids myself so i really can only talk about what i think in my own personal experiences but um they suppress them and then artistically too you know drag is a form of art and it's like you're basically you never know what your kid can become if you are saying no you're going to be a football player or you're going to you know we got a farm or we got to do this and it's just like damn let your kid explore their you know artistic side beautiful things can come like it's a it's a fine line right diego between guiding your child and you know what you want them to do but also expressing their needs as well i just really hate that you know so many people come out and say man yeah my childhood was shit because my parents didn't want me to do x y and z and then don't even get to talk about they do it in the name of religion and everything else so it's just it's just sad well, yeah, it's actually really terrible because the I think the suicide rate among like trans teens and stuff like that, that's like one of the highest uh, subdivisions of, of people committing suicide. And it's because like, yeah, they're dude, from an early age, they're taught that what they're doing is wrong. And what are they doing? They're just being themselves. Yeah. I mean, what could be more horrible than being like, oh, you were born wrong. That's like a fucking foulish shit you could fucking say to somebody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i can't even imagine what it must feel like knowing that in your mind you know you need to be a woman or a man or they mm -hmm. you know but you're you look in the mirror every day and you're like this isn't just not what i want to identify as i can't even fathom what that's like you know so but and, and it i mean and of course it applies to everything too race mm -hmm. right it's uh um I can say that being so light-skinned, I mean, I was born in Mexico. I was brought here as an um, undocumented citizen when I was brought here. Mm -hmm. um, I have received a lot of white privilege just because I'm so fair-skinned, you know? So I have experienced that. And uh, I've experienced racism on another spectrum where it's like I've been in a room where people think I'm white and I hear people talk mad shit about Mexicans, you know? Mm. and um and even when it's about other races you know if i'm hearing you talk shit about other races i'm like well how do you, you probably feel the same way about mexicans too you know yeah. and it's like it's just it's a a fucked up way but you know at the same way like i'm saying i'm very lucky just to be fair-skinned because i i have felt 
white privilege in my life yeah. but it's the same thing as being born gay or trans or you know if you're in somebody else's eyes wrong just for the way you were born mm-hmm. fuck yeah. you know it's terrible fuck that right what did right. What, what has your perception been from the Biden community um overwhelmingly positive um things see that's fun, the funny thing because like the fucking german producer just kept asking and asking hoping to hear some negative shit mm-hmm. and i was like nah bitch look people fucking like and respect me man yeah. everybody that ever knew me before i did drag kind of likes me because i'm a very personable person like i'm a happy-go-lucky and mm-hmm. if i walk into a room i like to make everybody smile like that's my purpose in life like mm-hmm. and uh she's just kept digging but somebody's got like look also I may not be the best fighter, but I'm a tough motherfucker and not a lot of people want to give me negative feedback, you know? Yeah, true. I mean, shit, I wouldn't fuck with you as if I saw you on the street. I mean, not that I would have <laughs> have a reason to anyways, but I'm just saying. Like, uh, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Too. Unless somebody unless somebody pays me to whoop some ass, I'm not doing it for free. <laughs> hey, I like that. <laughs> you know, I and the reason why, like I said, this episode, I wanted to dispel those stereotypes because a lot of people like the producer. I don't, I don't know who she is, but want, we want the negative side, right? We want to talk about the turmoil. Did your daddy let you out on the street? Did you get beat as a child? Did somebody know? Everything doesn't, every story doesn't have to be like that. And especially in the LGBTQ community, we need more positive stories like that to be out there. You know, no, mm-hmm. I'm, I came out and my parents love me, this and that, or like, you know, I don't get discriminated because if everything's all doom and gloom all the time, that's going to prevent so many people from being in their true authentic self. So, yeah, you know, and not to say that, like, like for me, my parents accepted me when I came out, uh, but not to say that I still went through some things with other family members that didn't. So just because my own immediate family said to me, some of my other family members, so I mean, so it's not all yay rah rah you know type of congratulations but there are positive stories out there mm-hmm. yeah for sure and i i want to i want to know what did your what was your kids faces like when they saw you in drag i bet they just lit up and was just like had such a good time with you yeah they just thought it was great like the first time they saw it they're like oh shit dad like it's it's <laughs> it is shocking you know Mm-hmm. but uh i mean you know how kids are they they're so malleable not like adults were so set in our ways mm-hmm. and it's like once you realize oh your dad does drag it's like that's just a part of your life now yeah. and it's like they they saw me doing drag the other day for the german tv show and then they're like yeah what's up that's dad you know like <laughs> no big deal and then yeah. they're like germans are like but how do you feel and then they're like it's mm-hmm. cool they're like what do you want you know like <laughs> still trying to get a reaction from them and shit yeah and there's one thing to, you know, dress or do drag at home, but you have taken another level, Diego, and you've actually performed at Lips. Uh-huh. Tell me about yeah. that, because that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, it was great. It was, a, that was my first performance, and it was a contest, and I got second place, and first place came over and said, you know what, Sugar, you won. They gave me like part of their winnings. They gave me a little money. They're like, you deserve that. They're like, they picked me because like I come here all the time. But they were like, you, that was you. And uh, the manager came up to me and he was like, hey, anytime you want to perform in Lips, you're welcome. You brought a great energy. The, the house was sold out. Yeah. It was like really fucking cool, you know? And it was like, 
my first time performing and like i could see everybody backstage was like first of all they had us like in a fucking broom closet there was like eight people <laughs> in this small changing room and everybody's like doing their makeup and i'm like the amateur so like i needed help getting dressed and <laughs> everybody was like super nice oh. uh, and then we just went on stage and, and rocked it you know and it was like invigorating almost just like going out for a fight you know like right before you walk out for a fight everybody's like cheering and chanting and uh-huh. it's kind of like the same kind of excitement it's yeah. kind of similar like that similar feeling before a fight it actually reminded me a lot of my very first couple of fights because when you start fighting mm-hmm. you usually fight at like smaller venues at the beginning of your career okay. and at some of those smaller venues they could be so small that you're warming up right next to your opponent like the more your career grows the bigger venues you go to and everybody has their own uh changing room and lockers and 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 warm-up area Mm -hmm. but i'm like in this contest and i'm looking around i'm like man can i beat them can i beat them like are they better than me it's just like getting ready for a fight you know it was pretty cool nice so i i got a question i've never put on heels before is it overblown is it like hard to move in them like what like tell me about that aspect of drag Dude, it's hard. Um, uh, I, I actually, like, I don't know, maybe being an athlete and, and probably I have slightly better balance or athletic more than most people. I picked it up pretty quick. I can move in them pretty good. Yeah. The pain, though, man, I don't know if uh, people that wear drags on a regular basis or just get used to it after years and years because I only wear them when I'm doing drag. Yeah. But at the end of the day, my feet are shot they hurt so bad and uh but honestly more than that what i hate is the nails Mm. oh the nails it's just like i have a thing about like if somebody like lifts a nail up a little bit it feels like it's gonna come off and i hate it and then when you have them on you can't grab anything without really getting that feeling that's kind of trying to lift the nail and if you grab something hard enough and and pop a nail off oof, man that's Ugh, I hate that feeling. <laughs> what hurts worse, wearing heels after a long day, popping the nail off, or getting punched in the face? Man, when I get punched in the face, I don't even feel that shit. Like I'm usually like, <laughs> when I'm in a fight, I'm so amped up. I've never gotten punched in the face and been like, "Ooh, that hurt." Really? I don't. I never felt pain out there. I've been elbowed okay. in the face in an MMA fight because uh-huh. I also, you know, I do MMA and bare knuckle boxing. So boxing is just punches, right? Mm-hmm. I've been elbowed in the face and been like, Ugh, I felt that. Like, that's a different kind of blow yeah, to the head. And, you know? prominence right there. <laughs> yeah. And I've been kicked in the head. Um, you, it feels a little bit different. Uh, but uh, mostly when you get hit really hard in, MMA, in, in any combat sport, if you get rocked, it's just like that, oh, shit, I got dizzy and, and I almost passed out. Like, that's that feeling. It's not really pain. Okay. So, I mean the next day is not fun like you know sometimes i wake up with just some of those pictures you saw and i'm just like bleeding all over the pillow it's like jesus yeah. it's like my face feels like I, I slept on a rock all night you know what's the what's that recovery like after a fight like because like you know when you stump your stump your toe or you do something around the house and you have a bruise and it, and it hurts a little bit for a couple of days but you're out there getting fucking rocked and you know also you're doing the rocking too but like yeah. from a body healing recovery standpoint like then take me through those that next day like three four days after a fight well um especially when you're doing bare knuckle because there's no gloves it's just boxing that's knuckle on your face mm-hmm. it, every little hit can cut you 
So mm-hmm. it's it's like even a, a regular jab that you would see in, in, in a boxing match that wouldn't do shit can split you open. Mm-hmm. So it's, but it's mostly superficial. Okay. Uh, now I feel like I heal better than most people. And I attribute a lot of that to my personal diet. Um, and also fasting, I feel like speeds up the healing recovery system. And the last fight I had where my face was swollen like an elephant, um, I was almost completely back to normal within seven days. Okay. Now injuries are different. Like I've broken, I've broken a hand doing bare knuckle boxing and that takes, you know, six to 12 weeks, depending on how bad the break is. Mm -hmm. But, um, as far as like just the ass whooping you get, it's like usually like in a week you can pretty much look like a a decent human being. (laughs) Um, I know we I know we stopped talking about the drag a little bit, but I'm really fascinated about the fighting aspect too. If you can, if you can't, I know that's it's okay, cool. But what are like some of the secrets boxers do to get in weight like the day before? Like drop weight? Like is it like an unknown secret you don't talk about or can you talk about it? No, yeah, I can talk about it. Actually, it's really simple. Um basically, uh for those that don't are not very familiar with combat sports. Um, the goal is if you both fight at 155, the, you usually weigh in 24 hours before the fight. Mm-hmm. So your goal is to be the biggest, strongest dude inside the fight. So once you weigh in, most people, what they do is they dehydrate themselves. So I'm usually losing like 20 pounds of water, mm-hmm. which is insane, but that's like really the industry standard nowadays. And so I'm weighing 175 right before my fight, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, the day before I take all the sodium out of my diet, all of it, I am eating zero salt. And then I'll drink like a gallon or two of, of, uh, distilled water, which has no minerals in it. Mm-hmm. And it'll push out the rest of the sodium in your body. You're pissing all your salt out. Mm-hmm. Salt is, um, I forgot the word hydrostatic or hydro something, but it, it, it retains water. Yeah. You know, we all know that you have a, a bowl of ramen you wake up all puffy and shit the next day right like <laughs> so if you're trying to look you know do a photo shoot that's probably not the best food for you yeah. but um so you piss all your salt out and now you're having a hard time retaining water so now you do your preferred method which could be running with a sweatsuit on or going to the sauna and the water just fucking comes out of you wow. and you literally look like a skeleton and it's the unhealthiest part of fighting Mm-hmm. because even after 24 hours um they still the fluid in your brain is different it's a different kind of fluid that takes a while when you replenish when you diminish that uh it doesn't come back within 24 hours which is like one of the most dangerous things about fighting mm-hmm. so which means your brain is like not enough fluid and it's getting banged around even more in your skull mm-hmm. um from an athlete i hope one day they really switch over to same day weigh-ins where it's like dude if you're 175 and i'm 175 mm-hmm. why are we fucking cutting to 155 together and then fighting the next day let's just walk in both at 175 that day but everybody always wants to get that little bit of an edge because mm-hmm. they're so competitive right and um so you go you weigh in i usually lose like i said 20 pounds of water in in 24 hours some people spread it out mm-hmm. i like to fucking do it because i want to be miserable for a short time not fucking a whole week so i dehydrate myself i weigh in and then we go to the hotel room and um we get ivs the whole time like just get back rehydrated or in some uh, leagues the ivs are illegal now and you have to just drink the right amount of salt and liquids 
to, to, to get back up to your weight. And then once you're back up to your weight, hopefully you don't feel super shitty the next day from what you just did to your body, which is insane. Yeah. Um, heavyweights are very lucky. You know, they, they, most of them don't have to cut weight. There's a, a 275 pound cutoff in the UFC. And there's a couple people that are above that and have to lose a few pounds, you know, which is nothing. Yeah. You know, if you have to lose 13 pounds and you're fucking 280, that's not going to affect your performance. <laughs> Jeez. That's insane preparation. Like, I'm just thinking about like, that is, wow. <laughs> it takes a lot. It is very difficult. And in my opinion, it is the most difficult part yeah. of competitive fighting is, is the cutting weight aspect. Wow. What's the most difficult part about getting ready for a drag show? Uh, the waxing is not fun, but <laughs> I got used to it. I just, I'll never wax my armpits again. I shave them. Yeah. But the first time, um, this uh lady who's almost like a sister to me was like oh well, she's she she does uh like she has a spa and she's like oh i'll do your waxing <laughs> and i know she's a little bit of a, a sadist and like she's like just rip my fucking armpit hairs out and i was like literally bleeding and i was like oh shit i was like we're not doing this again this isn't right <laughs> everything else was okay but the armpits were fucking terrible damn yeah. did you have to tuck like your uh not in all outfits but uh yeah i have tucked before and um the last time i did tuck it was like too tight and then i ended up having to drive like the german camera crew wanted to do there was two german camera crews by the way and one of them was absolutely lovely they were like i am in love with everybody there they're still my friends now we're gonna stay in touch but um yeah i'm very popular in germany for some reason i'm like the next david hasselhoff i don't know why Whoa, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah shout out to any z germans in the house yeah um, there we go uh, <laughs> no, i just know a few words but, uh so yeah they, they you know i had to like drive and we taped it up and when i sat down it made it even tighter and i was like fuck it's gonna rip my fucking balls off like <laughs> It was so tight, you know? And then I, like, the first time I did it, I didn't even realize, you know what? I was, like, super dehydrated because once I get my lipstick and my makeup on, I don't like to drink because yeah. I don't want to fuck up my makeup. Right. So <laughs> I guess I wasn't peeing, but the last time I did tuck, I had to, like, I did have a, a couple of uh, beverages to stay hydrated. And then I realized, oh, shit, you can't fucking piss until it's time to break this puppy loose because... <laughs> You can't, you, like, you can't be somewhere at a venue and pull that duct tape and think you're going to get it back on, you know? No. That is uh, that is funny. I would love to hear, like, uh, those stories about their own RuPaul's Drag Race, how they, like, you know, they do the Untucked series since they're filming all damn day, I heard. It's like, how do they untuck? And, oh, gosh, I thought that was just a nightmare. Oh, God. <laughs> it is hard on the body, man, doing drag. Like, every day that I've done it, I've been physically exhausted the next day, wow. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, to all the people that have partners out there with it, uh, our fan that glam up and they do that shit for you, appreciate them, you know, because they're going through a lot to fucking <laughs> look that good. Beauty okay. is painful. That's amazing. What so can if you can tell me uh, what are some of the things that you have coming up? Like what's in the works for uh, Lola Pistola? Uh, that's a very interesting question because honestly, uh, when the Vice article came out, I started to get a lot of people from Hollywood 
asking about the story rights mm-hmm. and once I got into them and told them like we would set up zoom calls and then once I would like just tell them my whole life story a lot of people were like holy shit like your life your whole life is insanity mm-hmm. so actually um there were, I was getting so many um inquiries that I had to get a manager yeah. and now I have like a manager an attorney a publicist but uh basically um within the next year or two like you're going to be seeing some Lola Pistola content on TV yeah um yeah it. and maybe even movies and stuff but like yeah I got some ideas for some shows based on my life like being a visual artist mm-hmm. I have like a real good vision of like how I would want my life to be told yeah and some when I told it to some people they're like oh my god that's so original like we've never seen a show like this before mm-hmm. um so yeah if you stay in touch and just keep an eye out there's definitely like a documentary coming out that I've been working on uh, even before uh, the vice article came out mm-hmm. so there's a lot of cool shit in the horizon um my art career like that's my main focus is always as I've always been a painter since I was a small child mm-hmm. so I and I I mean, so my, my hopes is always to get into galleries. That's mm-hmm. always like what I've been wanting to do. Uh, I hate marketing. I hate selling my art on Instagram, honestly. Like, I just mm-hmm. want to be an artist that's spoiled. I want to be spoiled. And yeah. if I can be able to just create, a, like, concentrate mm-hmm. on creating content mm-hmm. and not marketing. I fucking hate marketing. It so saps the energy from my soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anybody listening, if they want to buy a painting, uh, fucking go, <laughs> go check out the Instagram because that's how I pay my bills. Yeah. Have you um, heard of NFTs? Yes, it's uh, blew my mind because I've always been into analog art. I'm 41 years old and I'm mm-hmm. just kind of old school. But NFTs are so interesting that I am kind of curious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been writing poetry for the last two or three years and I like really short fucking poems that are like boom like a fucking just like one punch you know like <laughs> if anybody out there's an artist like i would like to be seen as the mark rothko of poetry he like would do these paintings that would just be two colors like a square mm-hmm. and but it's like there's definitely a vibe when you see him even though it's so simple mm-hmm. and that's how i want my poems to be really short and make you feel an emotion but i was thinking now that nfts are available i was like what if i make like a digital collage I put up one of my poems on it and you sell it and you fucking own the poem now. When was that ever possible? Exactly. It's the, yeah, it's mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm 41. So I'm at the end of my um, bare knuckle career, fighting career in general. I plan on doing maybe one more fight if they pay me the right money and Rolly Stone wants to cover it. So yeah. when they heard that, they're kind of interested in, in coughing up the dough, I think. But that'd be so cool if all the people that were not fight fans that are drag fans or my allies from the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. would follow the fight. To me, that'd be cool if you guys came and saw like if people saw something different that they weren't into, like, and now they're like, oh, we saw you doing drag and now we're going to watch you fight. That'd be so cool yeah. to carry that energy, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's probably going to be my last fight. And uh, other than that, the TV stuff, I'm a you know, painter trying to get into galleries mm-hmm. and I'm, I know you got to go, so I don't want to hold you, but I'll tell you one more story real Go quick. Ahead. The weird, cause this is the first time I've ever telling this shit. Uh-huh. The weirdest shit just happened to me last night. I was giving a tattoo uh-huh. and they're like, can I bring my friend? And I was like, yeah, bring your friend. That's fine. You know, like I have like a very small studio, but it's like, it's hyper uh, clean and we keep air filters that, you know, for COVID, like clean the air and all this shit, like, mm-hmm. oh, cool. So like their friend's sitting in on the tattoo 
and he's watching me tattoo and he's just like you look like somebody i know and i was like really yeah who like a friend he goes no he goes you look just like my favorite fighter and i go uh yeah like who is this guy and he goes well he's a bare knuckle boxer but he oh he's mexican but he always has a a mustache Mm -hmm. and i'm like i just shaved my mustache this week i was doing a drag performance but the funny thing is is they don't have social media so they had no idea that i do drag (laughs) so when i said that i shaved my mustache to do a drag performance this week they were like okay well what does that mean they're like well Yeah. yeah and i was like i was like I think it's me, bro. And he's like, wait, no, what? <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, yeah. And then he goes, no, this guy's like always full of blood and smiling. And he's like covered. Well, he's like, you got similar tattoos, but and he couldn't believe it. And I'm like, bro, I was Man, like, me. I'm pretty sure you're talking about me. And then his friend pulls out his phone and like pulls out a picture of me and in the ring. And I go, that's me. And then he just, his brain was so fucking blown, dude. And he had no idea about the drag thing. And it was so weird and surreal for me to be confused for myself. Yeah. Where somebody's like, you look like my favorite fighter. I'm like, yeah, it's me. They're like, no, it's not. And I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, it was, God. it was super cool. Go ahead and plug your tattoo studio too, if you don't mind. Um, on Instagram, it has spaces, but it's called let's add more black. Uh, but honestly, I'm trying to concentrate more on the Hollywood thing right now, writing the scripts or writing for, for this television show that we're working on Mm -hmm. and, um, painting, painting is always going to be a thing for me though. So if somebody wants to Diego, it's spelled just like San Diego, Diego, all one word, Diego Garijo, G-A-R-I-J-O. And like I said, I'm shadow banned, so it'll only pop up if you put in the whole fucking name because Instagram hates me because they fucking hate everybody who's not your usual fucking person posting pictures of their breakfast and shit. You know, like, yeah, they're just fucking, oh, I'm so fucking over Instagram. All righty, everybody listening, be true, be you, and be fierce just like Diego, all right? Take care, everybody. Thank you. You're Bye. Welcome. Ciao.